welcome to the Deadology Podcast from Pencil Hill Studio, New Paltz, New York. I'm your host, Howard Weiner, and today is episode 15 of the Deadology Podcast. We'll be taking a look at the Grateful Dead Bob Dylan show from July 12, 1987, Giant Stadium, East Rutherford, New Jersey. Uh, this episode was inspired by me seeing Bob Dylan last last week at the Capitol Theater. It was November 7th, 2023, a Tuesday night. Uh, Bob still cooking, looking good, singing strong, playing a lot of piano. Uh, did mostly songs from the Rough and Rowdy Ways album, but a great night in Porchester at the Capitol Theater. And instead of going into review of that, that show... I'm going to take us back 36 years, unbelievable, 36 years ago, Giant Stadium, Dylan Dead, uh, about a year before the start of Dylan's never-ending tour, and definitely one of the inspirations that led him to that. Uh, for, for a lot of folks, the whole Dylan Dead uh, experience, the six shows they played in 1987, uh, didn't live up to, a lot of people, would, the general consensus, it didn't live up to its potential. Uh, but I, in my opinion, the one big exception to that is the Giant Stadium's show on July 12th. Prior to unpacking the performances uh, from that night, let's take a look at where Bob Dylan, Jerry Garcia, and the Grateful Dead were in their careers at that crossroads moment for uh, both of them. Bob Dylan, 1986, as he writes about in Chronicles in that fourth chapter, Oh Mercy, uh, he was at a loss, definitely looking for inspiration, trying to find his muse. He, he, he felt like his songs were strangers to him. He even referred to his, his catalog as a rotting package of meat, uh, something along those lines. But um, yeah, he just couldn't get in touch with, with his past. And he was even having problems with, with, performing with Tom Petty in the present because he saw Tom Petty Tom Petty was an act that was in his prime and he felt like he had he was a has-been in 1986 which is crazy you know looking at um where he is right now and how relevant he's been for the past 36 years but it was definitely a, a soul-searching time for him he was considering re retiring and, uh, you know, the results commercially for him were terrible. Uh, Knocked Out Loaded, his most recent release at the time, was his worst uh, commercial commercial album, uh, worst sales since the Bob Dylan debut album. And, um, yeah, he was just uh, trying all kinds of stuff. He just couldn't find the, the right sound and couldn't figure out the way he, he fit into the time in the 80s. And for 1987, he stopped touring with Petty towards the end of 86. His first concert of 1987 was on July 4th with the Grateful Dead. So he took off almost an entire year from touring. Did a lot of odds and ends, you know, bits and pieces here and there, you know, uh, uh, contributing to albums, you know, different little, little things. But definitely in that um, kind of lost zone, trying to figure out what's what was going on with his career. So he came in probably at one of the worst point, definitely the worst point in his career leading up to his performances with the Grateful Dead. 
Now, The Grateful Dead, that, that's an interesting story with uh, Jerry Garcia, what happened. So uh, Dylan's first run of performing with The Dead was in 1986. He was with obviously with Petty at the time. They were playing stadium shows. And he did got on stage, did a couple of shows, with uh, not a couple of shows, a couple of performances with The Grateful Dead. And on the last the last uh, stop of that tour in RFK Stadium, July 7th, 1986, I believe the songs he played with the dead on stage were Desolation Row and Baby Blue. Uh, they were rough and rowdy. Uh, and probably be the best, uh, best description of them was an incredibly hot night. Day, a couple days there in RFK, 100 degrees, incredible humidity. You could be a fit athlete and feel sick after that show, but um, Jerry Garcia was not a fit athlete, and he had an obsessed tooth and all kinds of health issues. He went into a diabetic coma a few days after the July 7th show, and obviously he survived, but it was, um, man, the doctors, when they did the blood work up, they couldn't believe how bad, bad shape Jerry was in. So one word comes to mind, and... For the entire year of 1987, from that point forward, miraculous how Garcia recovered and made it back to a stage to perform. So after his uh, diabetic coma, he had one of the inexplicably uh, a quick recovery. Um, he he forgot how to he didn't know how to play guitar. It really it really took its toll on him. So his former uh, collaborator. Uh, with his, one of his solo projects, Garcia Saunders Khan, back in the 70s. Merle Saunders was by his side, teaching him the chords, helping him to play guitar again. And less than two months after his, his coma, he was back playing with the Jerry Garcia Band at the Stone in San Francisco. I believe the day was October 4th, 1986. And I mean, I mean, that is miraculous that he was back on stage that quickly. But guys like Garcia, Dylan, they, they give it their all. They're, these guys are performers. That's what they live for. So part of uh, being alive is getting on stage and performing. So the Grateful Dead world, they love Jerry Garcia. But now that they, they were faced with, the, the more, with his mortality and they almost lost Jerry, the love for this guy at concerts was just out of control. It was, it was like when the Grateful Dead played in 1987, it was like the, the Beatles in 1965 almost. It was like that that much of a manic uh, pitch to the, to the affair. I was at a lot of the uh, East Coast shows in 1987, and there, there was mad love for Jerry Garcia and the Grateful Dead and all kinds of things. It was a complete upswing um, for, the, for the Grateful Dead. Uh, they recorded the songs for early in the year for In the Dark, which would become their first, uh, the quickest album they had to go to platinum. I, blue, I believe it was their first album to go platinum. And it, it featured uh, the what would be their first hit song, Touch of Grey. Uh, they're doing videos and everything in the world is just moving in the, the right direction. Uh, the, the tides have changed. Everything is positive after Garcia's coma. Uh, but it was quite a workload for Jerry. Um, you know, coming off that, that illness, maybe he jumped in a little, a little too quickly. Um, you know, the, the situation, the moment almost demanded it of him, but as they approached these shows with the, with Bob Dylan, um, this is what the great, the Grateful Dead would play a show of their own. There were six shows, three on the East coast, three on the West coast. Uh, the Grateful Dead would play a show, their own show, 
um, either one set or two sets, you know, about two, three hours of music. And then they would play in a, as Bob Dylan's backing band, an entire Bob Dylan show in a football stadium in the middle of the summer. I mean, that was a lot to bite off for Jerry, but for, for the Grateful Dead and Garcia, uh, they, they, there would be no other way, man. To, it, was an, it was an honor and uh, a thrill and a kind of a fantasy to be playing with uh, a man who meant so much to them, Bob Dylan. Since I was there, and I'll be guiding you through the Giants Stadium show, I figured I'd give you a quick uh, background on how I came to love Bob Dylan. I was a Grateful Dead fan, like insane, from like 1981 to 1986 for five years. I listened to almost nothing but Grateful Dead and Jerry Garcia band. Um, it just it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, this is where it's at. Bob Dylan, I knew all the, the great songs, Rolling Stone, and, you know, all the, the greatest hits kind of stuff, the stuff you would hear on the, the radio, and I had and, uh, respect for him, but I didn't know any of these albums individually. One day in April of 1987, my car was in the shop, and I borrowed my friend Phil's car to go get coffee. And I figured it would be a simple trip, uh, get a nice uh, black cup of coffee, you know, I'm a a college student at the time, need a little jolt to get my day going 11 o'clock in the morning after a night of drinking. So I jump in and it was a brown Chevy Impala and I put the tape in and it was freaking blood on the tracks and I didn't even know it was blood on the tracks. And I heard Tangled Up and Simple Twist of Fate and I was just stunned, man. I Like I had heard Tangled Up before, but when I heard Twist of Fate, Garcia Band had done a great version of that and I was like, this is the master, man. I, I just blew my head apart hearing it for the first time. Oh, and then I heard, um, you're a big girl now, an idiot wins. Now, I was going to get a cup of coffee. This should have taken about one minute. I just kept driving down the road. I was going towards Kingston, New York, and it didn't even occur to me to tell my friend Phil, hey, by the way, I'm borrowing your car. I'm listening to your tape. I just kept driving and driving because I had never been like, you know, that transfixed on an album, hearing it for the first time. So uh, Blood, on the, Blood on the Tracks pulled me into Dylan. I was like, if this is one Dylan album, imagine what is a, like a Rolling Stone. What were the other songs on that album? I went out, I bought everything, man. I bought everything. It was I had a cassette, a cassette tape collection at the time, so I bought his entire uh, catalog on, on cassette tape. By the time they played at Giant Stadium, I had every Dylan album, and I knew it as well as I could could know it within within three months. I was just completely infatuated. It kind of broke my uh, my spell on the Grateful Dead. Um, you know, this this guy was a force, the only force in the musical world that I could see that was on the same level as the Grateful Dead. And just you know, getting into Dylan, wow, <laughs> and uh, just my the, the fortuitous of, of the situation. Um, can you imagine like getting into Dylan like that, then finding out all of a sudden they're doing a tour with the Grateful Dead? So I was on top of the world coming into that giant stadium show. But um, hey, the first couple shows, I was in Foxborough for the first July 4th show. Uh, before that, Dylan and Dead did get together, San Rafael, California in May. They ran through a bunch of songs. A lot of people love this. It was probably about 60 songs. Um, a lot of them are good. A lot of throwaways, but they were they were trying everything, man. It was uh, 
They did Boy in the Bubble, a very cool version of the uh, Paul Simon song, Buck Owens, Rolling in My Sweet Baby Arm. There's definitely a lot of great stuff on there. One of, one of the better Dylan songs that they did, I think, is uh, Change My Way of Thinking. And, hey, some of it didn't sound that good, but it's, it was, it's an amazing uh, collection to listen to. And some people will say that's the best thing that ever happened out of the Dylan Dead uh, collaboration. Uh, but I say definitely not. The Giant Stadium show is the best thing that happened out of it, with probably that being the second best. So then uh, they start July 4th, Foxborough. Uh, man, it was a hot summer, and Foxborough was packed, and there was great expectations. But uh, Dylan and the Dead, how could I put this? It was like Bob Dylan came out, Grateful Dead are there. It was like, you know, hi, I'm Bob Dylan. Have I ever met you guys before? Jerry Garcia, what songs? It was as if they never played together or ever, ever heard each other play before. It definitely had a lot lot to be desired. And the fact that Dylan hadn't performed live in almost a year uh, didn't help. And his voice wasn't sounding good and his back was hurting. And, uh, you know, the Grateful Dead are out there trying to do the best they can, but it's... It, it was the first show was pretty messy, but a couple of cool, a lot of cool things happened. They played the first version ever of Joey Garcia. Um, loved that song, convinced Dylan to play it live. The, the Joey version is pretty good that night. They played a Watchtower. Uh, they also played Chimes of Freedom. I think they did the first Queen Jane approximately ever at, at that show. So even if it wasn't a great performance, they were pushing, uh, pushing in the right direction, getting Dylan. Um, psyched to do some of his old songs next night philadelphia jfk uh stadium and um the grateful dead opened that night that was uh, it was a one set show i think that was the best of the grateful dead shows that i saw from that three uh three show east coast uh, swing with the dylan dead so dylan came on with the dead after they finished opened up with tangled up in blue uh, I remember I'll be your baby tonight. Uh, definitely an improvement over the Foxborough show. They, they were they were getting there. Um, so the but the the cool probably the the best performance, definitely the most memorable is the Frankie Lee and Judas Priest, um, the ballad of Frankie Lee and Judas Priest. First time that song uh, was ever performed live by Dylan. So uh, the Grateful Dead were definitely getting getting Bob reacquainted with some songs. Um, and I guess Bob wanted to get reacquainted with him too, otherwise he wouldn't be up there. But this was the insane part of, of this tour. You figure something like this, where you know you you got two two masters of the musical universe meeting, maybe a more intimate venue to start off would have been would have been more appropriate, just to get to get footing to feel each other out. But they're kind of feeling each other out in front of a football stadium. Um, but it's it's starting to work out in Philly. Definitely an improvement over the Foxborough show. Two days later, Dylan and the Dead, Giant Stadium. It's a Sunday, 95 degrees out, humid, sweltering hot. Man, what, what a little heat wave that was in July. Uh, almost as hot as the Foxborough show as far as uh, temperature, but much hotter as far as the music. The Grateful Dead uh, open up with a two-set show. Uh, the second set, Morning Dude opened the second set. So uh, the Grateful Dead faithful were were extremely happy. Uh, five o'clock, about five o'clock, Dylan and the Dead take the stage. 
And this would be a night to remember, and Jerry Garcia made sure of that. Uh, they open up with a slow train coming. And the first thing that comes to mind for me when I, when I hear this is, wow, this is only seven years removed from when Dylan came out with Slow Train coming, the album. So um, even though it didn't seem current at the time, it was that was part of Dylan's current history. Uh, only seven years earlier, Slow Train coming. And it's, it's a good version, but the, the real magic begins with Stuck Inside a Mobile with the Memphis Blues again. This was Fantasy Camp for the Grateful Dead and especially Jerry Garcia. They were going to make this a night to remember and Garcia had his best night of the year uh, on Stuck Inside of Mobile. Um, usually the, the when the Grateful Dead did it after this tour and when they did it with Dylan, they, were, there was, they would do two guitar solos on this, this one and this would be a motif throughout the evening. He played an extra guitar solo, three guitar solos, and it was just like Jerry was like, "Hey, man, this is this is my dream come true, and I'm go- and we're gonna make it happen tonight." And Dylan picked up on that as he's singing "Stuck Inside a Mobile." When he came to that third verse, you could just hear the excitement in his voice. Uh, here's a little clip of of that last verse and the final guitar solo from Senor Garcia. Dylan and the Dead got the mojo rolling. Giant Stadium, July twelfth. You know the this this album, uh, the the grateful for the Dylan Dead album. Dylan came in with a bunch of songs and kind of surprised the Grateful Dead as to what he wanted on the album, and obviously it didn't work out that good. It's um, almost like it's a throwaway album in, in Dylan's uh, catalog, uh, the Dylan Dead. The Grateful Dead wanted songs from the East Rutherford show, this particular concert. Uh, that Stuck Inside a Mobile would have been a great representation on the album, uh, but it was not to be for whatever whatever reason. Dylan's a genius with albums, but this is one time where his judgment didn't work out. So again, back to Giant Stadium uh, after song two, Stuck Inside a Mobile. 
uh, Tomorrow is a Long Time Follows, and, and just the songs that Dylan were bra- breaking out that he hadn't been in touch with in so long a time. Um, so Tomorrow is a Long Time. It takes a little while for, for them to get the groove going, but the dead are backing him magnificently. Um, it's like, you know, they, they've been preparing for this moment for, for, it seems like they've been in the studio for years because it's such a beautiful version. Uh, the background singing, Jerry Garcia's playing pedal steel guitar for the first time um, during this tour for the first time this night uh, since back in the New Riders and Purple Sage Day back in uh, 1970. So they're, they're breaking out all the stops for Bob Dylan. And as a song rolls along after Garcia's little instrumental break, man, Dylan just, he is so into it. He finds the, he finds the right vibe. And it's kind of like the motif of this show. Uh, Dylan just works his way into every song. Um, they're they're, they're kind of getting to know each other. By the time the, the last two verses roll around, it's magic. And this final uh, verse of Tomorrow is a long time, just so uh, heartwarming, man. It's a, country tinged amazing uh, music from uh, the dead and Dylan here so it ends triumphantly which is definitely uh, part of the giant stadium motif on this night highway 61 revisited is the next song and a nice uh, rocking version here Jerry Garcia playing a little slide guitar and there's a funny part where Dylan's singing I never did engage in this kind of thing before and he chuckles and it's true, Dylan's always the alpha male in control. We're going to do these songs. We're going to play my version the way I see fit, et cetera, et cetera. But this is one time where he kind of let the Grateful Dead take over. You know, he just, he trusted in the Grateful Dead and, and the way he interpret they interpreted his uh, music. And I think that all goes back to the early days when Jerry Garcia Band covered so many great Dylan tunes. When I Paint My Masterpiece, Positively Four Street, Dylan was uh, definitely a fan of uh, the way Jerry covered those tunes. So in The Grateful Dead, Bob Dylan trusted. And the next song, It's All Over Now, Baby Blue. And um, just another incredible negotiation going on here. Dylan's, the Grateful Dead were set in the way they played Baby Blue. Uh, They'd been doing it since their early days in the 60s, uh, but they really um, brought it back and got into it in the 80s. They were doing it as an encore, and Jerry would sing these beautiful, uh, slow versions of Baby Blue. And Dylan's, in his mind, is thinking, this is like a quick tune, you know, rolling thunder. We're going to zip through it. And there's this negotiation going on where it sounds ridiculous at first. You hear Bob singing, and it's not working at all. Second verse, it gets better. Garcia cooks a great solo, as he always does in Baby Blue. By the time the, the third, third verse comes around, it's it's magic. It's Baby Blue's better than it's ever been before. Uh, they, Bob just found a way to work, it, work into the Grateful Dead tempo with his excited singing. And once again, Garcia delivers an extra solo in this Baby Blue. All the Baby Blue versions I've ever heard just have that one solo in the middle. This one, Jerry throws out another one at the end. He's just so inspired on this night. You know, he's like, this is going to be the night that everyone's going to remember of Dylan and the Dead. And it should be the night everyone remembers. Great version of Baby Blue. But maybe not the type of thing you'd want to put on an album because the, the beginning was very scruffy. Uh, following Baby Blue, they're going to keep it 
in Dylan's classic masterwork uh, uh, era, mid-60s. Uh, another Highway 61 uh, song here coming off of uh, Bringing It All Back Home song. Ballad of a Thin Man. Something's happening. You don't know what it is, do you, Mr. Jones? And this is probably the first song of the uh, of this show where it's just perfect all the way through. When Bob's uh, jumping into that contact among the Lumberjacks bridge, um, he's just full of such excitement. And Brent Midland kicks in with these beautiful organ licks. Kind of, kind of brings you back right back to the uh, Highway 61 album, puts you right in that studio. And Garcia's last solo as they as they go out on this is just psychedelic, man, psychedelic Mr. Jones. So let's check out a little bit of that. Ballad of a Thin Man, Giant Stadium. Hotter than Kung Pao Chicken. Something was happening in Giant Stadium. If you didn't know what it was, we could call you Mr. Jones. What an amazing ballad of a thin man there. Uh, the grateful, the psychedelic power of the Grateful Dead mixed with that 65 energy of Bob Dylan. This was the magic. This was what, as fans, we were waiting for. And 
Dylan and the Dead were waiting for. It was happening, man, out there on Giant Stadium. And Dylan was looking cool, man. He had a black beret, uh, kind of a gold lame shirt going. Um, man, they, they were possessed on this night. So after Ballad of a Thin Man, going back even further into the Dylan catalog with John Brown, uh, the Grateful Dead took that acoustic tune, turned it into like an upbeat little funky um, arrangement, and um, it, it worked pretty good. You know, um, not my favorite out of the whole Dylan Dead thing, but certainly enjoyable as, as I listened to it. And this was a, a cool version. Dylan's engaged singing it. Uh, so we got John Brown in that spot there. And then, my God, this whole thing just completely takes off with the Wicked Messenger next song. Uh, so John Wesley Harding, um, the, the the last show they broke out uh, the ballad of Frankie Lee and Judas Priest, and in Giant Stadium they played the Wicked Messenger, uh, Dylan's first time ever playing this live. Uh, and to give you a little little background on it, Jerry Garcia played this a few times. He played it in 1975. He played it with the Legion of Mary, and they did some incredible incredible versions. They really slowed it down. Uh, Garcia went off on the the electric guitar in that man. He he played that so so amazing with Legion Mary, so he was prepared for it. Uh, the Grateful Dead had never touched it before, and here comes Bob Dylan, first time ever, and on this night especially, Dylan was it was, it was as if he came out of the studio in 1968. He had that type of knowledge of the lyrics and that type of confidence going. Man, he just had the swagger on this night, and it was definitely inspired. In, in part inspired by uh, Garcia's great playing, and this Wicked Messenger solo, man, I was I'm at the show. It's one of those moments where you where you can remember where you're standing. I was in the upper deck. I wanted to be my, by myself on this night. I was so focused on the music, just getting into the music. And um, I was wearing black shorts, white shirt, Grateful Dead guy on this on a raft on a swimming in a swimming pool. Um, but that that's not not important at all. But it was such a moment. It took me so by storm listening to this Wicked Messenger. I've only heard I, at this point I don't only only heard John Wesley Harding maybe fifteen times. I'm trying to take in the whole Dylan thing, and man, this was just so impressive. Um, what what Hendrix did for Watchtower, the Dead did for Wicked Messenger on, on, on this song, and it really should be on an album because it, it, it's that great and. Dylan, Dylan was totally digging it. You could tell by the way, his, his delivery, the excitement in it. Uh, but without further ado, here is the Wicked Messenger of Giant Stadium, July 12th.
Jumpin' Jesus, that's Laugh Out Loud Hot. Bob Dylan's debut of Wicked Messenger with the Grateful Dead in front of 80,000 Giant Stadium, East Rutherford, New Jersey. On the heels of the most wicked of messengers, Bob brings it back to 1965, Queen Jane approximately, and they broke out this song for the first time in uh, Foxborough. The Queen Janes on this tour just missed. Um, just a little off. The Grateful Dead's a little too slow. Dylan's trying to find his way into it. It's, it's, a, it's a great experiment. Freaking great song. Uh, love Queen Jane. Uh, cool thing is the Grateful Dead, after this, went on to play some very good versions at their own shows. Bob Weir does a great job singing that. And um, yeah, so the, the Dead did it justice. And then Bob Dylan had a, had a nice run of Queen Jane. Not, not a song played a lot, but probably the most memorable version is that 1993 Supper Club version of Queen Jane. Just, you know, undeniably spectacular. Um, amazing tune. Not the uh, easiest song to pull, pull off out of the cold, but they, they threw it out there. Got the Queen Jane uh, approximately ball rolling. And uh, after Queen Jane, uh, Chimes of Freedom. And this seemed to suffer a little bit from the same thing. It couldn't quite find the groove. The Dead were playing it a little mellow. Bob's coming at it a little bit excitedly. And missed through most of the song. But the last two verses, and, and this is the motif of this show. Bob just went nuts on the last two verses. And they're so, so good. This is one of my favorite... I can't say favorite versions overall, but definitely one of my favorite endings because Dylan does such an amazing job finishing this uh, Chimes of Freedom off, man. It's uh, uh, just chilling to listen to it. So, you know, Bob, Bob is fully engaged at this point. You know, he's he's Bob Dylan again, a thousand percent, maybe like he's never been before. In 65, he was confident on top of the world. So he never was this guy who had to come out of nowhere and regain himself, and on this night in Giant Stadium, I think it's such a huge uh, concert in his career, because he's re- regaining the old Bob Dylan, getting in touch with these old songs that were like rotting meat to him, so um, as as he said in Chronicles, you know, so um, there we go, Queen Jane, Chimes of Freedom, and then the song that Jerry Garcia convinced him to play, Joey. And uh, Dylan, I think, it was quoted in a in a Paul Zolo article interview saying that um, you know that Garcia admired this song so much and said it had a Homeric quality to it, and he got Dylan into playing it. And good thing because this this giant stadium version is is where it's at, man. Um, the, the Desire version is cool, but. It, but for a song about gangsters that almost has like a Martin, but definitely has a Martin Scorsese feel to it. The, the desire version is almost like a little laid back, um, you know, and this does it justice. This, this is the way Joey should be played. Uh, Bob's up there, you know, just channeling with a lot of energy and uh, the, the Grateful Dead loved it. Jerry's up there singing the Joey chorus with all his heart. And I just remember the first time I heard this when I was in Foxborough, just I left the place singing Joey and I was like, 
my God, I got to go back to Desire and revisit this song. So they, they definitely did Joey Justice. It's so, such a long song. And just to prove, in a way, how Dylan was into these concerts, like part of him seemed not to be into it, but the real Dylan was 10,000 times into this concert. He remembered every lyric to Joey, didn't miss a syllable. This is such a this is the best version of Joey ever. Um, and, and it's fitting that it's in Giant Stadium where Jimmy's half a body was rumored to, to be buried. But um, it's so cinematic, man. Just the, 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 this performance of Joey, you could see the uh, every time I hear this, the, uh, the, the movie of Joey goes off in my mind. You know, there's definitely a Dil- Dylan put it across and Garcia realized, hey, man, you got to do this song. This is a great song. And uh, so glad that Dylan and Dead did it, uh, this tour, and especially on this night in Giant Stadium. And then they're, we're hitting the end. This is a bunch of songs already. Last couple tunes of the night, all along the Watchtower. Uh, an easy hit for the Grateful Dead, doing it with Dylan, you know, just uh, stick to the Hendrix. Hendrix, uh, the, the Hendrix version, the arrangement, the Hendrix arrangement, man, isn't that's one of the greatest rock songs. Dylan, he... Jimmy took uh, Hendrix, and Dylan admits this, Hendrix did a master version playing that, and um, everybody who does Watchtower pretty much follows that, and as great as Dylan's version was on John Wesley Harding, but uh, kind of an easy, kind of once again, motif for for the dead to follow, great version, ripping jams, Dylan's into it. And they hit this end point here. They've done about 12, 13 songs, I think 12. And the show should be over. The Grateful Dead are ready to leave. They had a long night. 80,000 people are thrilled beyond compare. And then Bob Dylan steps to the stage, strums a couple of chords, and sings, Gather around people wherever you roam. Kind of out of nowhere, he pulled times of changing out at the perfect time. And man, I was blown away. I I was I had tears in my eyes at this point. It was so emotional, man. Just when you hear this on tape, you realize that Dylan was the one calling this. Like the Grateful Dead were ready just to step off stage, and Bob just stepped up and said, "Hey, one more." And he brought he brought Giant Stadium to its knees, man. It was such an emotional version. And of course, Jerry's there is all, all night. In 1987, Jerry, I seen some great shows, man. I seen the, the Grateful Dead at Madison Square Garden, September 18, 1987. They played Watchtower, Morning Dew, one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. But even on that night, first set was so so. Very rare in his comeback year, Garcia was just knockouts from beginning to end. It didn't happen. Like he had moments and segments as he was recovering from from a big illness and doing the best he can. But this night with Dylan, every freaking song, every jam, Garcia was there 10,000%. It's amazing. During this, times are changing. As Dylan's singing, Garcia's just shredding these great little licks. Uh, Brought so much emotion to it, man. Um, And and also after, after Watchtower, Dylan spoke the only words he spoke. He played... Six shows with the dead. He played like another 30, 30 or so with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. He didn't speak to the audience at all that year, 1987. A big nothing except for this night. He said, thank you, Grateful Dead. So he was just 
like something in him was lit, like he was reborn as a performer in the swamps of New Jersey on this night. And then after after all this, the Grateful Dead played two great sets. One of the great sets, definitely the best set they played with Dylan, but to me, this is one of the best Dylan shows I've ever seen. And they come out for the for, for the encore. Everybody's on stage for Touch of Graves. So moving, man, just to see Dylan out there with the dead singing their hit song and then knocking on Heaven's Door to, to close it all out. It was just, it was too much, man. Like It was like five hours of great music that day. But um, this is a set that... In part, I mean, there's, there's so many things that, that, that go into changing how, how someone evolves as an artist. But I think this, more than any other night with the Grateful Dead, uh, definitely put Bob Dylan back in the right path and set him on the, set him on the way to the never-ending tour, which was next year, 1988. So pretty much after this tour with the Grateful Dead, Bob Dylan knew what he had to do. He knew he had to get back out there, play the songs that that were just sitting there. He didn't have to write another song. He already had the greatest songbook in American history at, at his command. So he, he realized he had to be kind of like the Grateful Dead in his own way and just go out there, rediscover what he did play the songs, and then when the inspiration hit him, if it did, he could write another another great album. I, I think the the issue for uh, for Bob at this point in his career before playing with the Dead um, and starting the Never Ending Tour was he kind of measured himself, like, like if, a, if an album wasn't as great as Blood on the Tracks and the critics killed it, you know, it was it was a, it was a tough it was a tough thing for him to deal with. Like, you know, how do I how do I beat myself? You know, <laughs> how do I pass what I did in you know with, with blood on the tracks and my and my stuff from the '60s? And there's no way he could do that. So instead of like trying to top what he did, even though I, I gotta say, Infidels and those sessions, the 1983 sessions are so underrated. That really is one of the great. Uh, periods of Dylan's career, but it will never get uh, credited as such. But, um, you know, so he just went out there and said, hey, I've, I have the greatest songbook out there. Let me just get reacquainted. And when the inspiration hits me, I'll come out with the album. The inspiration hit him in uh, New Orleans in 1989. He got together with Daniel and Wah and came out with Oh Mercy. Uh, such a great album. That was... The, as a as a neophyte Dylan fan, starting in 1987, that was really my first new Dylan album of originals. And Oh Mercy is incredible, man! Just a, such a great album. Uh, I was so blessed to to be a Dylan, to be a young Dylan fan at that point, and have all the old stuff to go to, and then get Oh Mercy, Under the Red Sky, great. Then he went back to all his folk stuff with the with the two folk al- albums, as good as I've been to you and. Um, the name of the world gone wrong. Uh, very cool. Then he took a little break. There's no rush at this point. He's in a new point in his career. It's not about topping what he's done in the past or I have to put out the next great album. It comes to him when it comes to him. And then we got the, uh, 
Time Out of Mind, 1996, a masterpiece, uh, you know, a modern-day Dylan masterpiece, set him on, off on a new path, and the, the tour is still going strong, Never Ending Tour, Larry Campbell, Charlie Sexton playing with him, such great shows, it was a pleasure to to catch tons of those shows, man, like, you know, I went from seeing The Grateful Dead into this era of Bob Dylan touring, and he, he kept The Grateful Dead spirit going you know just switching up songs night after night which was made him made it so exciting to see dylan there, there were nights where he would completely do an entirely different show like the grateful dead did and then um we got the uh modern times and the the, the great albums continued on and on tempest and you know and just uh to this day he still so credits dylan and when jerry passed away in uh, 1996, he was playing Alabama Getaway, uh, West L.A., Friend of the Devil, um, you know, and th- then his, his last, uh, w- when he wrote uh, Modern Philosophy, a song, he did a beautiful tribute to the Grateful Dead. He wrote about trucking and great descriptions of the, of, of, of the Grateful Dead as a band. And then in, in his last uh, tour, he started breaking out of Hunter songs. He paid tribute to one of the great all-time songwriters, someone who's on the on the same level. We're not we're not going to call Robert Hunter as great as Dylan, but he's Dylan-esque. You know, there's not too many like Robert Hunter. He's right up there. He, he's playing West LA, Stella Blue, trucking. You know, a little tribute to the Grateful Dead and um, Robert Hunter, a, a fitting tribute. So uh, yeah, Dylan and the Dead. Great together, man. And uh, I wrote a book, Dylan and the Grateful Dead, A Tale of Twisted Fate, where I kind of parallel their careers. Interesting, one interesting uh, time period, six from like when, when Dylan went, was on hiatus from 67 to 73, where he wasn't touring with a band. That was the most productive touring period of the Grateful Dead's career, probably. So just, just uh, interesting parallels between their careers. Dylan influenced them extremely heavily early on and then the Grateful Dead had a reciprocal influence on Dylan which was very nice and uh, Dylan embraced it and it's uh, for fans for fans of both it's it's been an incredible journey uh, great to see Dylan the other week and hey man thanks for listening Deadology podcast I do this every week and uh, it's a great to do a, do a little tribute to Dylan here and uh, the Dylan Dead, the whole Dylan Dead thing. So, uh, yeah, my books are available. TangledUpInTunes.com. You get uh, the uh, Grateful Dead and Dylan Tale of Twist of Fate there, as well as his other books. And I'll be back next week. Um, Thanksgiving's Givens coming up. I haven't exactly figured out what I'm going to do. Um, I'm sure it's going to be hot, whatever it is. So, love you all. Peace out. Thanks for listening. Thank you.